0: or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclive.org and click on the giving tab and choose online campus as your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? <laughs> Is anybody glad that the weather has changed recently, recently in central Indiana? Isn't that exciting? You know, the older I get, the realize, uh, the more I realize, I actually like the changes from summer to fall into winter. I used to hate it because I knew winter was coming, but now fall is just so, I don't know. You, can, you, you, wait, you start wearing your oranges. I got my, my orange socks on today. I mean, I just felt real, you know, like pumpkin spice latte-ish. Just, anybody, any, any pumpkin spice fans out there? and just really starting to enjoy fall. We had a fire in our backyard last night. Just such a beautiful evening. Uh, if you're not in the Central Indiana, if you're in Sarasota watching right now, uh, we we, uh, we feel bad for you cuz you don't get to experience the uh, the season changes. But hey, if this is your first time at any one of our locations, our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, our Garfield Park campus, our Seymour campus, if you're watching online or online campus or at any one of our e sites here at Greenwood, we want to give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up to all of our first time guests today. Someone has been inviting you and inviting you and you finally said yes and you're here and so thank you for attending. We hope that you're going to be blessed by what's going on here today. And if you're not brand new, welcome back. So good to see you. So excited about today because we are starting a brand new series called Traveling Light. Now, how many of you have ever taken a vacation? You've gone away for six, seven days before. You've gone on a trip somewhere. Raise your hand if you've ever taken a trip. Right? When you take a trip like that, maybe not an overnight trip, but a seven-day trip, six-day trip, you take some luggage with you. Am I right? Yes or no? We take a luggage with us, and and my family is the same way. My wife and I, we take a piece of luggage or two, most of the time two when we do seven days and. There's always this conversation in our house before we go to the airport that my wife has with me. She says, hey, honey, can you kind of check the weight to make sure that I'm under 50 pounds, you know? And, and so I kind of pick it up and I guesstimate, I'm like, oh, yeah, that feels good. And then as we get closer to the airport, anxi- a little bit of anxiety builds because, you know, what if it's not under 50 pounds? Then, then you have to, like, get on the ground and open it up. And not that this has ever happened to us. It's <laughs> never happened. But you gotta kinda get down on the ground, and open it up, and, 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 and you have to start taking stuff out, kinda like this, you know, you get it down on the ground, and the person says, you can't, I can't check it unless you lighten it by three pounds, cause you're at 53 or something like that. And now you're down there, cause you're the husband, right? <laughs> and you're doing this deal right here, and everybody's looking, you know, at your backside, but what are you gonna do? And so, at least you don't have to look there today. And so you open it up and then you see like all the stuff that your partner has brought with them, right? This would be my wife in this example, okay? So she's sitting here, she's awesome, but I got permission to do this today. And you open it up, and now all of a sudden everybody can see your stuff and, and then you start looking at this, you're like, honey, what like we're going to Florida, like what's What's the boots all about? And there's like big hair stuff, always big hair stuff. I mean, just lots of tools for the trade, you know? And so it's like, okay. And, and then I remember one particular time I opened it up and I saw my wife's Bible and I was like, honey, That thing is enormous. I mean, look how big this thing is. It's like 20 pounds by itself. Why would you bring this massive study Bible? You know, make smaller ones. And then there's like other stuff in here, like clothes. And and then one time I I picked this up and I was like, honey, what, what what are these? They're like goggles, like visual. These don't belong to her. That was just, that was just fun. And there's all kinds of stuff in there and then you have to take usually it's books books are the heaviest and you've got to take books out and put them in your suitcase to lighten the load then you close it back up and it makes it like 49 pounds or whatever and you know it makes really it makes life really hard when you pack heavy when you're on a trip am i right guys yeah because guess who ends up carrying the heavy suitcase through the airport right? And you, it's the dude that does that most of the time. And, and it's just like, oh, can we just pack a little lighter? Like, I try to pack one of those uh, carry-ons. They're much smaller, and they fit in the top, and you don't have to check it. But it's not that I'm better. I'm just different, just different. <laughs> but you know what? Life is kind of like this. Life is a journey, and we have to have certain things on that journey. We have to carry certain stuff, certain things, Skill sets, we have to carry relationships, we have to, we have to carry things on this journey of life. And then there are some things on this journey of life that we, we don't have to carry. That when we carry those things, it actually makes life really, really hard. What, what are some of those things? Well, in this series, we're going to be talking about how some of us carry insecurity around. And it just makes life so heavy on ourselves, on the people around us. We're so insecure. It causes kinds of problems. By the way, have you ever picked up somebody's bag in the airport and you try to help them and put it above, you know, in the, in the thing above their heads? And, and you're like, man, what do you have in this thing? Bricks? And so we got some bricks here. One time I did that. And one time I did that for a lady and, and I said, what do you have in this bag? Like bricks? She said, no, they're textbooks. I'm an educator. I was like, oh, you take all your books with you? Anyway. We have, we have in things like insecurity. We have things like bitterness. We're going to talk about this next week. You know, someone's hurt you or wounded you, and, and you haven't forgiven them. And so you, you carry that around with you in your life. It's totally unnecessary, and it impacts all the other relationships in your life. We're going to talk about the brick of bitterness. And we're going to talk about envy. We've never talked about envy before and how destructive it is and how hard it makes life for you and for others around you. We carry this stuff, and we're never intended to, to, to carry it. We carry things like worry. We're never intended to carry around worry, but we do. And so today, I actually, I actually want to talk about this particular brick and how to get rid of it because you, God never intended you to carry, carry around worry in your life. You know what the Bible says? I love, I love the phrase in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at this passage each week. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, watch this. Let us throw off. Let us get rid of everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us or trips us, off, trips, trips us up. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The Bible tells us to get rid of everything that's unnecessary. Back when I used to run half marathons and marathons, I would strip down to the bare minimum. Like, what do you need to run? You need shorts and a little tank top, and you need a water bottle and some shoes, and that's it. You get rid of everything so that you can run swiftly and quickly. And many of us, we're just, we're just traveling too heavy in this thing called life. And that's why life seems overwhelming to you. When we carry stuff we shouldn't carry, life becomes overwhelming, It really does. It becomes burdensome. We gotta carry this big thing around with us and it's so heavy and other people have to deal with it as well. Today I wanna talk to you, as I mentioned, about getting rid of worry, about letting go of worry. How many of you have ever seen What About Bob? What About Bob? Such a great movie, it's a classic. If you've not seen What About Bob, gather the family tonight and watch it and it'll be a spiritual exercise for you. (laughs) such a good movie. If you've never seen it, it's about a guy who's got all kinds of worries. He worries about diseases. He worries about having, you know, cardiac arrest. He worries about germs. He worries about getting Tourette's syndrome. He worries about, I mean, he worries, you name it, he has a worry about it. You know, most of us don't worry that much about life, but a lot of us, we do worry about some things. Like, I don't know, our kids, if you've got kids, if you've got grandkids, you worry about them. If you are a student or a college student, you worry about your grades, you worry about getting a job after college. If you're not married, you worry about getting married or are you gonna marry the right person? If you're coming up to retirement, you worry about having enough money to retire. I mean, you name it, there are worries in our life. We worry about everything it seems sometimes. In fact, right now, if you'll you'll, uh, just work with me here, grab a pen or if you're taking notes on the app, jot down, what is your top worry? Just identify it. I know you're like, oh my gosh, I've got 10. Just write down the top one. What's the top worry in your life? If we're going to throw it out, if we're going to get it out of our lives, we have to know what it is. Got to put our finger on it. Do you worry about your kids? Do you Does somebody get diagnosed with cancer and now you're worried about the chemotherapy and are they going to make it? Like what, what are you worried about mostly? What is worry, by the way? Before we move any further, let's define it so that we can understand what it is and get it out of our life. According to Webster's Dictionary, worry is mental distress or agitation. That's important. Mental distress or agitation resulting from concern usually for something impending or anticipated. Let me put that in my own words. You're having an internal agitation or distress because of something that is coming your way or you think is coming your way. It's a thought about the future, something that's coming to you. And there's a disturbance in the force, right? Now, how is that different from concern? Because we ought to be concerned, right? We ought to be concerned about a lot of things. We should be concerned about who we're going to marry. It's important. We should be concerned about retirement. It's very important. You should save. You should invest. You should be concerned about it. If someone has cancer in your life, if you have cancer, we should be concerned about that. We should have the best doctors, the best treatment. I am not suggesting to you today that you should not be concerned about life. In fact, if someone tells you that, that's negligence. You should be concerned. I'm talking about something different from concern. I'm talking about worry. And worry is different from concern in this sense. It disturbs you mentally and emotionally. You can't think straight you lose sleep, you're robbed of joy, you're robbed of peace, your relationships suffer, you start to have physical problems. Worry is mental and emotional agitation because of an impending event coming your way. And concern is not that way. See, here's what's true about you and me. And and this is straight from the mouth of Jesus, right? You were not designed to worry. God did not wire you up to worry. He didn't build your mind and your soul to worry. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter six. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It's a rhetorical question. What is he really asking? He's saying, can worry benefit you in any way, shape, or form? Like, can it it make you wealthy? Can it make you healthy? Can it solve your problems? Like, what can worry do for you? The the answer is nothing. Of course, it can't add a moment to your life because worry. This is what Jesus taught. Worry is worthless. I love what Max Lucado said in his book Traveling Light. We got the name of the series from this book, Traveling Light. It's a great book if you into reading. I love what Max said. He said, "Worry has never it brightened a day, solved a problem, or cured a disease. Worry does nothing." In fact, that's actually not true. Max is wrong. Worry does something. It actually does a lot of things. It crushes your life. It hurts your soul. It ruins your body. See, worry is destructive. It not only does nothing to benefit you, it actually does lots of things to harm you. Go home today and just Google negative side effects of excessive worry. And you'll see high blood pressure, heart problems, thyroid problems, you will see migraine headaches, loss of hair, change of color of your hair. You will see stomach problems, ulcers, digestive problems. Some of you are like, dude, you're talking about my body. Worry causes those. It's been, the science is in, the research has been done. Worry is destructive to our bodies. We weren't designed to handle it we're not designed to carry it. We got it in our bag and, and we're never designed to put it in our bag, but, but yet we worry all the time. And it doesn't just hurt us physically, it hurts us emotionally. Have you ever seen a, a happy, joy-filled, positive, worried person? Have you ever seen one? They don't exist. Because worry and all the things that go along with worry, they cause a person to shrivel up emotionally. It steals their joy. It steals their happiness. Worry is a joy thief. So emotionally and physically, it destroys us. And that's why Jesus told us very simply, we gotta get rid of this stuff. So for the rest of our time today, I wanna talk about how to let it go. How do we let go of worry? How do we get it out of our bag and stop worrying and start to really live the life that God has planned for us? I'm gonna give you two ideas. Number one, we have to learn to live one day at a time. We have to live one day at a time. This is the day that the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it. When Jesus gave us his prayer in Matthew chapter six, some of you can recite it, especially those of you from a Catholic background. It goes like this. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in in heaven. And what's the next phrase? Give us this day our daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, not tomorrow's bread. Not next week's bread, but this day, help us out with some Pop-Tarts and some ramen noodles, whatever, you know. Like this, the prayer, and it's not just about food, it's about everything. It's about all the provisions that God, like the rent or, the, or whatever it is. Like this day, God, I want, I'm asking you to intervene and I'm asking you to provide and I'm asking for your help. Jesus wanted us to live One day at a time. And in Matthew chapter 6, he gives us these powerful words. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Now, what did we say worry was? It was mental agitation or disturbance in our soul because of some anticipated event or something that's coming our way, right? So Jesus addresses that issue. He says, do not worry about what's coming in the future. Now, you should be concerned about it. There's a difference. Okay, don't be negligent. We should be concerned about what's going on in our world and interest rates and politics and all these different things. He's just saying, don't worry about it. Why? For tomorrow will have its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. How many have problems today? (laughs) You have problems. I got problems. I'd love to share some of them with you if I could. Each day has its own set of troubles And issues, and here's how God has wired you up emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. He's given you the capacity and the strength and the courage and the wisdom to deal with today's issues. But when you try to tackle today's issues and then you add tomorrow's issues and then you add next week's issues and next month's issues and next year's issues and you take all of those future things, which may never happen, 85% of the things we think are going to happen never happen. Hello. When we take all of those future things and then we pile them on top of, of today's 24 hours, we begin to implode. And we destroy our bodies physically and we destroy our emotions and we destroy our mind. Worry is destructive. I love the quote from Montaigne, a French philosopher. He said, my life is filled with all kinds of difficulties and trials and troubles most of which have never happened. Isn't that interesting? Why does Jesus tell us live to live in today? Because he knows when you worry about the future, most of the stuff is probably never gonna happen. And even if it does happen, even if the hurricane does hit, even if the car accident does happen, it's never as bad as you thought it would be. So here you are suffering in the present, thinking about the future, and then when it does happen, you suffer again, and you end up suffering Twice. Jesus says, hey, leave that in the future and focus on living today. I love what uh, the Stoic philosopher Seneca said. He he said this, we suffer more in imagination than we do in reality. Why? Because our brains are drawn into the future about what might happen and what if, and what if I have a heart attack, and what if I get cancer, and what if I can't retire, and what if I don't marry the right person, and what if my child gets sick or whatever. And the present is filled with suffering about things that may never even happen. Sir William Oslo uh, is, a, is a really old dead guy. Here's a picture of Sir William Oslo. He lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And I didn't know this, but he became one of the most famous, or uh, well, the most famous physician of his time. And he helped to start Johns Hopkins University, medical university in New York. And he was um, named the top medicine guy at Oxford University, the highest position uh, in in the medical school at at Oxford. Um, He was knighted by the King of England. That's pretty cool. When they put the knife down on both sides of it. When he died, they wrote a, a 1600 page, two volume set of all of the things he accomplished with his life. Amazing dude. At the end of his life, uh, they asked him to do the commencement sp- speech at Yale University to the graduating seniors. And both of these guys write about this. This book is uh, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. If you've never read this, this is a great book by Dale Carnegie. He wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People, fantastic book. Um, he talks about Sir William Oslo, and so does uh, Max Lucado in his book Traveling Light. Well, here's how, here's how it plays out. He's asked to give this commencement speech And he has this experience early, earlier on in his life that helped him overcome worry. He's on this huge ocean liner, this huge ship, and he's up in the captain's uh, chambers, and the captain starts pressing some buttons, and all of a sudden, all these crazy noises, screeches, slams, almost like explosive-like sounds start coming out of the ship. And he's like, what's that? And and the captain says, those are the watertight compartments down underneath the ship, closing one after another. And he said, it's a drill that we do every time we go out before we go out. That way, if we hit an iceberg, the water will be contained to that one compartment and not spread to the rest of the ship, and then the ship sinks, which is what happened to the Titanic. And so he's sharing this with the students at Yale, the graduating seniors, and, and I just want to read part of the speech that, that, uh, Mac, that Lucado put, puts in his book here. These are the actual words from, Sir, uh, Sir, uh, from Mr. Oslo. He says this to the students, each one of you is certainly a much more marvelous organization than that great ocean liner and bound for a far longer voyage. What I urge is that you learn to master your life by living each day in daytight compartments. And this will certainly ensure your safety throughout your entire journey of life. Touch a button and hear at every level of your life the iron doors shutting out the past, the dead yesterdays. Touch another button and shut off with a mental curtain the future of unborn tomorrows. Then you are safe safe for today. Think not about the amount to be accomplished in the future or the difficulties to be overcome, but set earnestly, watch this, set earnestly at the little task near your elbow, letting that be sufficient for the day. For surely our plain duty is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but what clearly lies at hand. His message that day was to live your life in day-tight compartments, blocking out the future and blocking out the past. It's exactly what Jesus taught. And when we do that, when we do that, our minds and hearts are not drawn into all of the that might happen or has happened in the past, and we can live the life that God has called us to live today. But I was, I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, that's really good, and that works, and, and that's how we can get rid of worry. But that's not all that's not all we also have to learn to do this second thing and that is to trust in God now as a preacher and a you know of of the Bible I don't even like using that phrase anymore hey you need to trust in God because isn't it true that when you're going through something hard and somebody tells you to do that you want to smack them like shut up you know trust in god like i'm in pain here you know and so i hesitate to even say trust in god because it sounds so cliche but it's not it's real and it works in the sense of letting go of fear if you really do it matthew chapter 6 the context the end of matthew chapter 6 the context is learning to trust god And to live in the kingdom of God and to seek his righteousness and trust God to add everything unto you. And don't be like the pagans or those who don't know God. They suffer and chase after all this stuff. They suffer from worry. Jesus says, don't be like them. In fact, William Barclay is a Bible commentator on Matthew chapter six. And I was studying what he had to say about this. And this is his perspective on Jesus's words. Worry, Jesus teaches, is essentially distrust in God. People of faith are notorious for this. We say things like, oh, I trust God to provide, and then we worry about the provision. We say things like, I trust God to protect, and then we worry about the protection. We say things like, I trust that God is good, and God is sovereign, and God is in control, and then we worry about our circumstances. These are contradictions, yes or no? To say that you believe something and then to not act as if it's true is not to believe it. It's practical atheism. We say a lot of things about how we believe and how we trust, and then we live in a different way. We say things like, I trust that God has forgiven me, I believe he's forgiven me, he's cleansed me of my sins, and then we worry about whether or not God will accept us, whether or not we're going to heaven when we die. That, folks, is a contradiction. And as I was reading through William Barclay's commentary, he starts talking about how what that really is, what worry really is, is sin. That's, hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. Worry is sin. Worry at its core is distrusting God. Worry at its core is not believing what God said. Barclay says this, he says, there, are, there may be greater sins than worry, and there are murder, <laughs> all kinds of terrible things going on in our world. There's, there's greater sins. Worry's not the greatest sin. However, he says, but certainly there is no more disabling sin. And here's what he means by that. When your life is filled with worry, it's impossible for you to connect with God and, and tap into his peace and his joy. It's impossible to, to find happiness and positivity in your life. It's impossible to, to, to stay focused and to be present with the people in your life. It's impossible to, to live the eternal life and the abundant life that Jesus offers you when you're dragging around worry in your luggage, which is exactly why Jesus said we've got to get rid of it. So in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul gives us the exact way to do that. He maps it out for us in a perfect way. It's almost like a math equation. Listen to what Paul says. How do we do it? He says, don't worry about anything, nothing, not your kids, not your future, not your retirement, not the disease, not death, not car accidents, not plane crashes, not sharks. Don't worry about anything, he says. Instead, pray about everything. Now, here's what he means by that. By prayer, he means trust. It's a synonym. Prayer and trust are a synonym, synonym, not cinnamon, <laughs> a synonym in this context. He's saying instead of worrying, I want you to take this issue that you're concerned about, you're worried about. I want you to put it on God's back. Put it on his shoulders. His shoulders are broad and his shoulders are strong and he can carry it. Tell God what you need and tell him and thank him for all that he's done. So add some gratitude to this. God, you've been faithful in the past. I appreciate you. You've taken care of me. Here's what's going on right now. I trust you with it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to give it over to you. I'm going to cast this anxiety upon you, and the, the verse says. When we do that, here's what happens. Then and only then will you experience, and here it is, God, say it with me, peace. What is peace? It's serenity, it's calmness, it's the chill factor, okay? It's like everything's gonna be all right. Remember the song? Don't worry, be happy. You can actually do that. If you talk to God, give him the issue and then his peace floods your life and it doesn't make sense. It surpasses understanding. Like people won't get it. Like they should be like, hey, you're freaking out. You should be freaking out right now. Why aren't you? Well, I gave it to God. Yeah, but your kid's in jail. I know I gave it to God. You know, what am I, I going to do about it? I put it on his shoulders. And now this peace floods my life and it surpasses all understanding. This peace, it guards my heart and my mind as I live in Christ Jesus. What does it guard against? It guards against worry. It's like a shield against worry in your life. That's how it works. Now, I know some of you are listening in right now and you're paying attention and you're arguing with me in your head and that's fine because I do that too when I listen to a preacher. Just don't do it out loud. <laughs> you're saying, Danny, I've tried that before and it did not work. I've prayed about stuff and I'm still freaking out. I'm still worried. And I I tried to pray and it didn't work. Let me push back on that gently because there's a prerequisite to this math equation. There's some addition, subtraction we need to learn before we can get to the higher stuff. We have to see God accurately if we're gonna pray to God and experience his peace. You see, your perception of God is the foundation to this equation. What do I mean? Well, if you see God as detached, unconcerned, ill-equipped, incompetent, how can you pray to such a God and experience peace? You can't, because you're praying to someone who lets hurricanes hit Florida. You're praying to a God who allows head-on collisions in the highway, and people die. See, there's a lot of evidence out there today that would indicate that God cannot be trusted, that God is not in control. You put on the news and you see all kinds of corruption or evil, murder, and you're processing this stuff all the time. You're like, okay, so all of that's going on and at the same time, I'm supposed to pray to a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing and totally sovereign and all-love and merciful and, hmm, so you gotta sort through all that stuff. Now, I've been able to sort through all that stuff because I, I've had to in order to keep my mind straight. How does a good, sovereign God exist in the midst of a world where hurricanes and, and, and murder and war happen? How does, that, how does that all work together? Well, God is totally sovereign and he's totally good. And he uses evil and tragedy in this world to accomplish his plan. You say, I have a hard time swallowing that pill. Well, think about this. Who did God use to get Jesus to the cross? It says the devil entered into Judas. Judas led Christ to the garden to be betrayed with a kiss, handed over to the Roman guards, and the Roman guards took Jesus to the cross. So God used evil, God used Satan to redeem mankind. Do not tell me that God doesn't use evil to accomplish his plan. See, I've sorted through all this stuff in my head. So when I look at stuff like a hurricane or a war or senseless murder or somebody goes into a mall and shoots people, it it all fits into this this, this plan that, that, that makes sense. You have to do that. If you're gonna pray to such a God and expect peace to come from heaven and guard your heart against worry, this is tough work. My question to you is what's your view of God? Because that determines whether or not you're gonna have peace. This is tough work. You gotta interpret events correctly, you gotta understand the world correctly, your theology's gotta be solid. Otherwise, you're praying to a God who's disinterested, he's incompetent, he's not paying attention, he doesn't care. Look at what he's allowing to go on in the world. Can you pray to such a God and expect peace? No. You have to see God accurately, He is all powerful. He is almighty. He can be totally trusted. His heart is filled with love. He has a divine plan for this world. He has a plan for your life. He is going to redeem you. He is going to redeem the world. And one day there will be no death and there will be no sin and there will be no cancer and there will be no war and there will be no guns. Have you read the Bible? So you have to understand the story. When you see God sovereignly ruling over the events of man, you can pray to such a God who is in total control of hurricanes and evil and everything that's happening under the sun at this particular time in history. See, when you see God accurately, trust comes easy. When you see him for what he's truly like, you'll be able to trust him. And then the peace that surpasses all understanding can fill your heart and guard your heart against worry. But not until you see him accurately The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 46, he said, God is our refuge and strength. These are big words. Refuge is like a castle, an unbreakable castle. You cannot get in. He is a solid rock that you can hide in And on top of that, he's a very present help in trouble, in in time of trouble. Some people believe that God is just out there, like a genie in the bottle. And if you rub the lamp right, he shows up. We really don't know when or how he's going to show up. We don't even know if he wants to show up. We don't even know if he likes us. You try to pray to a God like that, see if you can have peace. You're not even sure if God likes you. But God says, I'm a refuge and a strength. I am a very present help. Like I'm on my toes waiting for you to call to me so that I can come and help you and provide for you and protect you. That's the God of the Bible. And because of that, remember, when we see God accurately, trust comes easy. Watch this. Look at the next verse. Therefore, because he's a refuge and a strength and he's a very present help in trouble, therefore we will say with me, not fear. What happens to worry when you see God accurately and you understand what it is and you're like, man, God's got this. And even if he doesn't show up, do you remember what Daniel said uh, when they were getting ready to get thrown into the fire? He's like, yeah, we're not going to worship your idol. You can throw us in the fire. We believe God can rescue us. But even if he doesn't, even if we burn up in the flames, we will not worship this idol. See, sometimes he doesn't save. Sometimes he doesn't rescue. What happens then? Well, if you understand the story, right, death is nothing. So many people are afraid to die. What did Paul say about death? What did he say? He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What is life? 65, 75, 85 years. Come on, you're going to live forever. Do you know how long forever is? Get your brain wrapped around forever. Somebody explained it to me one time like this. It's like a mountain of sand, as high as you can go. And then you take one piece of, uh, of sand from the top and you place it over here and you do that until the whole mountain of sand is moved, and then you do it again. And then when you move it a second time, you do it again. Forever is a long time. We're all afraid to die, why are you afraid to die? Now listen, I don't have a death wish. I like my family, love my wife, I think she can carry lighter luggage. (laughs) But I'd like to live, but I'm gonna die. Hey, hey, did you know you're gonna die? I'm gonna die. And death is just the beginning of what? Eternal life. You see what I'm saying here? So we have to have the correct perspective of the story that we find ourselves in. When we see God accurately, trust comes easy. God is a refuge in our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. So here's my question today. With all of that information, will you let go of worry? Will you trust him? Will you live your life in a 24-hour period? You are not designed to worry. You've got to get down into your life, and you have got to get this thing called worry out of the suitcase, get it out of there, close this puppy back up. There's still stuff in there we've got to get out. We'll deal with that next week, okay? But for now, we've got to lighten the load so that when we're carrying this thing, we're not bogging our lives down, bogging the lives down of others, so that we can live the life that God has planned for us. Is this making sense, yes or no? Is this helpful? As we wrap up, you know, all of this stuff I'm talking about has everything to do with being in connection with God. Jesus is the source of joy and strength. We cannot experience eternal life and abundant life without him. That's why he showed up. Like sin separates us from God, makes, it, makes a relationship with him impossible, disconnects us from joy and peace, reconciliation and redemption. One day God is going to redeem. Did you know this? The Bible teaches that one day Jesus is going to return again, and he is going to redeem the entire world. He's going to begin the process, starting with your soul if you're a believer. Then he's going to redeem the earth. Did you know that heaven is not out there one day somewhere past the stars? Did you know that? Did you know that heaven in the long run is going to be right here on earth and this will be heaven for you? Why? Because he's going to redeem earth and lions won't eat you know gazelle anymore and dogs won't bark at each other and people won't shoot each other. Why? Because God is gonna remove all of the evil and the pain and the suffering and the disease. And he's going, Jesus is gonna be the king and he's gonna rule and he's gonna reign. And there'll be peace and joy between humans and internally. And Jesus invites you into that. He invites you into that to start that process right now. So many preachers say, hey, Jesus died for you on the cross. He paid for your sins. He rose again from the dead. Put your faith in him so that you can go to heaven when you die. And, and, and that's all true. But what about life right now? What about today? Is there any peace available today? Is there any joy available for me today as I deal with my problems? And there is. The gospel is about Jesus coming to invade your life right now. And it began on the cross when he died for you. And he rose again to make you his child. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to live with you. Jesus invites you into the kingdom. Will you receive his love? Will you accept his invitation? I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about coming to church. This is fun, this is cool. this is great. We sing some songs, we hear a message. I'm talking about your life. your parenting and your everyday grind with your, with your wife or husband. I'm talking about living with your in-laws and doing, you know going to work. and is there any joy or peace or meaning or purpose in all of that? Yes, there is. Is Jesus coming to live with you right now. And so if you'd like to accept that invitation, I'm gonna just say a quick prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer a child can pray. Take these words, make it your own. Make, turn it into your own prayer. Reach out to God. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and make you his child. Will you pray with me? Just say this, just say this to him. Dear Jesus, I accept. I accept the invitation into life. To live with you, to dwell with you, to talk with you, to walk with you. I ask you to invade my life with joy and peace as I trust you. I believe you came to this earth to redeem me. To die in my place, yes, but to invite me into true life. Wash me clean. Cleanse me from my sin. I ask you to be my Savior. Teach me as your student. Teach me what I need to know about getting rid of worry and fear, anger and lust, pride, envy. Teach me to love myself and my neighbors. Teach me to follow in your steps. I'm stepping into your plan for redemption. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, we want to rejoice with you, church. Amen. We want to give you a little a little gift to get started on your journey on your journey with Jesus and life, and add this to your baggage. You got to have some stuff in there, and you don't have to have a really big Bible. You just have to have a Bible. So we want to put one in your hands today. If you text the word "save" to six five two four eight. You can grab one of these at the information desk at your campus if you're watching online you can just give us a little bit more information we'll send one to you in the mail and there's also some information here about getting in a small group and a coffee cup to say congratulations uh, for trusting in christ today can we give the lord a hand one more time to all of our locations microsites microsites those watching online You were not designed to worry. God didn't wire you up that way. When you worry, it crushes your body. It crushes your soul. You have to let it go. Live your life in daytight compartments, 24 hours at a time, and trust God with the stuff that you're worrying about. I hope that you'll take what you've heard today and put it into practice. Let's pray and then we'll hand things off to the local teams. God, we love you. Jesus, thank you for the instruction you gave us. You told us, can can we add a single moment to our life by worrying? You tell us not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its own issues. You tell us to live in the moment. So help us to do that. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust your Father who is good, who's competent, who's all-powerful so that we can let go of worry. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Right now, I'm gonna hand things off to the local teams. I love you guys. See you next week.